And so once again, uh, when Stormblood, when it left Stormblood, it was setting up Shadowbringers um, to, to, to really knock it out. And the story is just unreal. I mean, that story leveling up is crazy good. And then they've coupled it with doing something very clever and they've just totally taken us off the source. Hey everybody and welcome to Casually Hardcore episode 33. Joining us we have Az from Heel vs. Babyface uh, taking time out of his day to come talk to us about the state of MMORPGs in 2019 and who knows what else. We have an outline. We might stick to the outline. I do want to say, uh, you know, thanks again Az. Why don't you go ahead and take a second to introduce yourself a little bit to the workforce uh, let people know where they can find you. Obviously, links will be in the description to everything that you're doing uh, in this video below. But yeah, say hi and uh, tell us, you know, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, who are hi, you? Hi, I'm Az from Hill vs. Babyface. I'm Aquarius. I like long walks on the beach and uh, playing with uh, orphans and stuff like that. But I've been doing YouTube for uh, seven, just over seven years now. Uh, dealing with MMORPGs, particularly World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV. And then uh, last year or so, uh, somehow find myself branching out into gaming as general. So what caused that, that, that whole branch out? Because I was watching actually a recent uh, video of yours about that, and you were just talking about how like, you're really happy that your community really kind of responded to kind of your more newsy posts. I mean, the one thing that I think is just utterly fascinating about your channel is obviously your thumbnails it's that it is a very unique thing but it, i when we're always people are like playing around with trying to come up with the most interesting thumbnails you just have a whiteboard what started the whole whiteboard craze because i go look back in, in your past now obviously you you've had various like the crazy like youtube reaction like oh no you know uh like please click on this thumbnail <laughs> um well it actually it might might i class them as anti-thumbnails um, because if you look at thumbnails today, everyone looks the same. You, you, you couldn't tell anyone different. Uh, you know, this channel's got the same thumbnail as that channel's got the thumb. They all have the same procedure now. So um, everyone thinks, all right, if we do this and this and this, everyone will click because they'll think I'm either that or they gravitate towards this sort of stuff. And I'm kind of one of these obnoxious people that are just like, screw that, you know? <laughs> I don't want to play that game. That game's boring. So uh, I created the the anti thumbnail. So I found in a video I, I got myself this this whiteboard to do a skit. Yeah. And and people were would were, were saying, Oh, we love the we love the whiteboard. So I just said to myself, Why don't I just send the, the whiteboard into the thumbnails then? Man, and that... then um I was talking to my, my YouTube manager mm -hmm. And and they were just like, oh, we we love your thumbnails. <laughs> we just we just think they're brilliant. They're just like the complete reverse of what everyone's doing, which makes you stand out more than anyone else. I was kind of like, yeah, it's I'll absolutely like it's absolutely true. That's that's the thing that they, it is supposed to be eye catching. And have you ever ever followed Norm Macdonald at all, like as a comedian? So he did this oh. one. He did this one thing um, where he went and specifically bombed at like a roast, and he did it because they told him to like be shocking and he's like what's more shocking than just telling the most weakest jokes and it was that contrast and at the time people were like really pissed like what is happening but then you go watch that like my wife has just gone on this norm mcdonald uh, like you know trip where you go watch it and it's praised it's praised because all of a sudden people realize oh he he does know he's telling bad jokes it's not like these are his jokes he's telling specifically targeted like and that became the contrast and now in the grand scheme of it, it's different and it makes that difference maker. Now there's well, a lot, go ahead, go ahead, Az. No, I was just gonna say the, 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 the best compliment I've ever received about the thumbnails was uh, somebody was, was trying to be nasty to me. And I find things like this actually highly laughable. You know, people think they, they're upsetting you by putting nasty things in the comment section. And reality, you're just looking at them and laughing. And, and one person put, 
he doesn't even do was it real thumbnails and i thought that is the best compliment i've ever had <laughs> that is a, that is a true compliment that right there That's i wear it like a badge of honor so uh like, like i said at the top of the show we're going to be talking about a lot of things i think activision blizzard final fantasy 14 Shadowbringers are some very common threads that both of our channels share uh so we're going to dive into that um but i do want to say at this time i do want to say you can also find our podcast on spotify itunes google play and soundcloud links are all in the description below if you missed our last show we had rick caucus from caucus hd talking about if you should return to destiny 2 it was a fantastic podcast be sure to check that out and we also want to thank our partner uh ship with exit lag we have a link in the description below it gets you three free days if you use the code do work and decide to use them uh, you get 20% off. So we think that uh, we thank them. And with the business all concluded, let's have some fun and let's just, let's, <laughs> let's, let's dive in. Um, I do want to, I have here on the outline kind of Warhammer 40k, but one of the things that literally is breaking as we were talking kind of in the pre-show is the boycott Borderlands 3 uh, Twitter movement. Um, do Twitter boycotts matter do they even work uh and no. have you followed uh have you followed why people are mad at borderlands 3 uh because i mean literally just broke i went and educated myself yeah five minutes I, ago. I, yesterday i was getting people uh tweeting me yesterday about this uh this business where um they had sent people around uh to this guy's house uh two private detectives and it's the guy who's reading off a statement. And mm -hmm. um, I'm probably going to sound really uh, non-empathetic here. But when he said he invited these private detectives in and spoke to them, I thought, he's a bit of a burk, isn't he? <laughs> he's a bit silly. Hi, we're private detectives. We have no authority or power whatsoever. We'd like to come into your property and discuss everything that you know about Borderlands 3. So what's Okay. Come in. Let so, me tell you everything. What's interesting about that is that, yeah, because they, they could easily say, you could say no. I, it's kind of curious, though, because, like, if, two, like, I don't know, it, the guy's name is Sub Mateo uh, or Matto or something like that. Uh, if you're sitting here and you're, I don't know how old the guy is, and if you're just all of a sudden some people show up and they're, you know, like, they're flashing, you know, I'm assuming badges, typically you could see, you know, who knows who they who they hired there could be a level of intimidation like oh it's better just to go along with this rather than to resist like because people lie right like uh, if you ever have owed anybody money like I, it's always interesting somebody calls and's like you owe us this money it's like do i <laughs> you, you you kind of fight back but they'll like uh uh, you know, um, well, my, my answer to that is, well, send me something through, right? Send me a bill. Uh, but most like, but they're, they're like, people get trained on how to kind of get around this kind of things. But the other thing is that they not, shut not down, they shut down they his, don't. they shut down his, uh, discord. Like they, they had him and they did a DMCA on his YouTube channel. They've done, and they, they filed it, it with discord and it had it shut down. Did that. It was take two or two uh, K. Yeah, and so, but it's still whichever, like it was. Yeah, one, these but... private eyes, I doubt like they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. But it's like overall, that in and of itself is just why I think. Well, and there people, somebody listed off in a tweet like, here's the aliens, Colonel Marines as a reason like they should boycott Borderlands Three, and it's like I thought that was kind of a weak connection. Like, okay, we, move along. I've spoken about this so many times in in the last eight nine months on my channel, uh, the Streisand effect. Mm -hmm. And, and this is just another prime example of that. Uh, how on earth do you think in a day and age like today where you have YouTubers, streamers, uh, social media, Twitch, whatever else, AOL, <laughs> and, uh, those discs. and you think you're going to send two private dicks around to somebody's house and say... Tell us all about this information, which we actually accidentally put on public uh, display and not think that this was going to get out there uh, almost immediately, which then causes the Streisand effect. It actually does exactly what they don't oh. want, which is more eyes on this, more information about this. And uh, and now they are looking ridiculous. They're, abs they're looking complete and up like absolute fools how is um, that not known in this age right because it seems that it at least happens a couple times a year it it's has like, to because we have suits once. that's why because we have suits who are running these companies who aren't gamers who aren't 
on social media who aren't adept at this sort of thing. They're all they're interested in is coming in and, and working out how they make money. That's their jobs. They're too busy to do crap like we're doing. <laughs> they're too busy to be tweeting and and uh, twitching and stuff like that. And so they they live in a completely different world. And so when they think, "Ha, this will be a good thing. We'll we'll, we'll try and find out some information." Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not thinking about the the repercussions. They're thinking about, well, logistically, they're going to go around. They're going to find out how they did this, that, and the other. And then they'll come back and they will pro- present the information for us and we will determine a course of action. Uh, meanwhile, while they're going through all of that, 6,000 videos on YouTube have been made. 100,000 tweets have been made. Hashtag boycott Boardlands 3 is going out there. Trending. And around and go, how, 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 how did that happen? So on that though, like it's, it's so fascinating when you look at it, cause you talk about the YouTube videos, you talk about all of that uh, in, in today's society, it seems like there is this mindset because obviously like where it's the game publishers versus YouTube, we've seen it with like EA and with Anthem this year, like just like a lot, like a lot of people kind of getting around it. And they did two things that were really fascinating at the start of this year. They, they had all this hype build up for Anthem, which just fail, uh, fell through. And then they secretly ninja launched like Apex Legends to a way. Is it, uh, is there such a thing as, as, as bad press? Because that's, that's a general idea that there's no such thing as bad press. But when you look at with the kind of how YouTube and social media happen, I'm, I don't, I'm sure you've been accused of it. We get accused of, you know, like being negative YouTubers, despite the, like just a ratio to positive to negative content is like less than like a percentage of a percent. But like, I, I, I do believe, I mean, uh, there's, uh, there's no such thing as bad press is an outdated concept. Because that that concept itself was created in a day and age that doesn't have the social media reach that we've got today. Uh, you would have television, you'd have newspaper, uh, you'd have radio, and so when that came out, uh, by time, shocking news of what Madonna did in 1982 had come out. Uh, this shocking news actually spoke to certain generations of people. So Madonna went on stage and acted provocatively in Provence, a strictly Catholic, well, you know, something mm-hmm. along those kind of lines. I'm using that yeah. as an example. And they would sensationalize this under, under that uh, year's kind of ultra-conservative uh, mm-hmm. modicum. However, the youth were like, oh, this is amazing. You know, she's expressing herself. She's uh, doing whatever she wants. I can really... Uh, relates this woman, et cetera, et cetera. So the, there's no such thing as bad press kind of relates to that um, because it speaks to people. Whereas nowadays you've got a bunch of idiots who are only <laughs> concerned about making money and they, they're not concerned about their audience. They're only concerned about the shareholder, the customer who should be the first point of contact is now the third point of contact because it's them, the product, the shareholder, then the customer. So they're so far down the line. We're not living in an age where we're shocked by particularly much because pretty much everything has been done now. And uh, we're getting to an age where people have gone to such extremes, whether it's been on Big Brother, whether it's been on other TV programs, et cetera, Mm -hmm. uh, that that we don't feel, we feel as if the sensationalism is now fake. And a lot of the time it's reality TV is ironically named because it's not even remotely reality anymore my uh, brother-in-law was on a reality show in sweden and he was saying like so it's a it's a fun story we all got to go to sweden for it but he was on a reality show in sweden he came in second place it was just like this like just this random crazy story but he was saying like they that everybody kept trying to get him to say something a certain way like would you say that it's like this? And he's like, no, I wouldn't say like this because <laughs> he just, he's not that kind of guy, but he was like, yeah, they're trying to spin that narrative. And so your point on reality TV, I, I even back when it was first coming out, like I was like, that's obviously where the rate, like the, the eyes are. And that was a huge draw, but I think YouTube has surpassed the concept of what reality TV is. We just saw, you know, Jake Paul getting married, <laughs> getting married. I don't know if it's right, right or not. I, it just, is just so, fascinating because there that's, is that sense that it is rewarded go ahead that's like um a generation of youtuber that needs they're like 
cocaine YouTubers. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of call them because they need the fix. They they need to get that um, publicity because they they burst brightly, and then whatever fake you know whatever outrage thing they did, dead bodies swinging from trees in Japan, whatever it may be, it dies too quickly now because we live in a disposable uh, world where everything is disposable. Um, you know, mass shootings two days ago. Mm-hmm. It's old news now. Uh, you know, it's sad to say, but it, it's kind of like already old news and people are looking to digest the next thing. This is the same sort of concept with, with YouTubers. These YouTubers shine bright with the controversy, dim just as quickly. So they need to have the next uh, explosion to keep it going. What did Jake Paul do? Whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. which one's which, to be honest with you. Yeah. What did the Paul brother do when he came back from the Japan thing? Immediately electrocuted frogs, dead frogs, and pretended they were real to cause more controversy. Now he's marrying a surprise, surprise, same person, you know, similar person in the similar environment, in the similar world. Um, of course, it's all fake and, and whatnot so, and, and just done for, for So we've seen that kind of problem within gaming. I want to also give Chris an opportunity because it's just like, <laughs> but we've seen that same kind of also Let's problem. Let's talk about Warhammer. <laughs> I, I want to get to it. I will. We, I guarantee you Warhammer. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. Um, but we've seen that kind of same kind of controversy this year alone in gaming. We had the whole like CNET piece uh, targeting various angry, you know, uh, you know, but that failed. Yeah. Oh, of course it did. It's just kind of the same, like you were saying, like it's that only like when you go look at the numbers, that only boosted everybody that was listed in that article, mm-hmm. articles numbers, and it's like because you you could see exactly what that article was, which was a contrived trash to try and smear YouTubers. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the true reality of the article was, advertisers, can you come to us, please? Because YouTubers are stealing all our ad revenue. Because they're producing the content which people want to watch and we're not, because we're too busy screaming about orange people being bad. That's that's what the true uh, article was about. So it's just a smear campaign in an effort to, to, to try and pull away advertisers. And it was as clear as glass. And so it died... You know, nobody gave a toss about it 12 hours later because it was as, as clear as day. So all they did was amplify the examples. And as far as I'm aware, the examples that were used have uh, received significant boosts in subscribers, in views, uh, because people have, um, they understand what this kind of shield media is doing. And so if shield media has a go at somebody, I'm gutted I wasn't like, here's an example. <laughs> we'll get you there. Uh, because they, because Guys, go unsub like, oh, from him. He's a You're saying person. these people shouldn't be listened to? I want to hear what they've got to say. Yeah. And well, that's um, I, that you brought up kind of a thing with Madonna and you, you kind of touched on it, kind of the Catholic piece. That's one of the things that the church quickly learned. Uh, with Gone with the Wind. It's like, okay, like we're going to say, don't go see this movie. Number one movie in the world at the time. Like <laughs> within humans, like I, we were we were predisposed like in some way. And I'm, I want to let Chris jump in <laughs> um, to sit here and say, oh, I can't do something. I'm now going to go see that thing. I'm going to go read that book. I'm going to go screw you. I'm going to go do that. You know, because you said I can't or I'm not allowed to. Uh, maybe it's a maturity thing. Maybe it's just a human evolution thing. Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, you guys have hit on a lot of things. Um, <laughs> One or two. So to, to back up a little and kind of bring it all together, we're still talking about video games here. Mm-hmm. And a video game's core job is to entertain us. It's to give us a chance to escape from the bull crap that we're doing before we fire up that console, before we open up that game. And that's all it has to do. So all this press, all this cancel culture, we're happy to cancel a bad game. But at the end of the day, is it good? Like, if the game is good, none of this matters. If Borderlands no, 3 is incredible, none of this matters. Maybe. None of this matters. Now, if Borderlands is bad, then we're like, well, we're going to boycott them because of that, that thing they did to that YouTuber. We won't even have to remember what it was. It just, oh, that thing, well, that's why we did it. No, you just canceled a bad guy. I wouldn't go to play it anyway, so it's easy to explain away why. Um, That's it. It doesn't doesn't have to be any more complex than that. All this and cancel culture and stuff. Cancel culture is a very real thing. It can damage businesses that have real employees and all of that. But when it comes to gaming, is it good? And Apex is that perfect example. You talked about Anthem versus Apex. The community canceled Anthem because they were lied to and they, they loved Apex. 
what is the difference? One was good. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. It wasn't, it wasn't the way they treated their employees. It wasn't the way they presented themselves in a press release. No Man's Sky wouldn't have been a problem had it been good. Like, Look what people tried to do with um, Cyberpunk 2077. They tried to latch onto the, the poster, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the poster of the trans person, and they tried to turn that into a uh, political storm. Um, and it was a very actual clever niche uh, poster that worked in the universe and actually worked because I come from a sales marketing background mm-hmm. before everyone onto YouTube from a sales marketing background makes a whole lot of sense. It's got humor. It's, it relates to the world. Uh, it's hitting a product. It's, you know, the product is very much the focus of the, um, the advert and it's a complete exaggeration if you saw what they were packing. <laughs> so uh, it was actually very clever marketing how somebody probably would a marketing company would actually operate in that day and age Mm -hmm. but there was they were so desperate because of all the uh love that cyberpunk was getting you want the tag you want that you want that whiteboard that contrast to what everybody's thinking and feeling all cyberpunk has to do is come out and be an amazing game and then those those things just look foolish right but when you've got a company like cd project red to put out the first Witcher game, which mm-hmm. was a more of a cult classic, but uh, went down a storm that allowed the second Witcher game and a complete evolution compared to how the first one played uh, become a massive success, which then led on to a much larger open world, Witcher 3, which garnered an even bigger audience. They've had hit after hit after hit. So there's no reason why gamers should doubt that Cyberpunk 2077 is going to fail. It's coming from a, a huge pedigree, and what we've seen so far is looking good. So why, the question I think that we should be asking is, why suddenly is the media trying to pull it down? What purpose do they have it's in attempting to pull it down? Is it because the average gamer, the people that they are constantly creating articles about demonizing, targeting as toxic and all this kind of stuff, have nothing but love for this game because this is a company that's produced nothing but hits. There's three wins there. So the first win is that there's no risk in this. So if the game's good, we will forget about those articles. Nobody's gonna go back and bash them for those for being wrong. So there's no risk here. The second thing is that what if they're right? If it ends up being a trash game, right? It ends up just shocking all of us and it's just garbage. They got to be the ones that called it, right? They got to be the ones who said, we knew that the morals of the dev team and the the content that was being developed was trash. Ha ha, we were right the whole time. And they'll point back at their own articles. But do you want want to live in George Orwell's 1984? I'm just telling you there's no risk here. They, They can be right or they can never have said anything at all that's the beauty of today's media is whatever you say is either right or never happened we let can, me let me post something rather interesting to you. yeah go ahead let me post something rather interesting to you what if what offends you doesn't offend me who's right hr teaches us <laughs> that Sexual harassment is in the eye of the beholder. And I assume offense is the same way. That if I'm offended, I'm entitled to that right, whether you intended it or not. That's sexual harassment. We're talking about a video game. There's a basic piece of content in a video game, which I'm not offended by, but you're offended by. Who's right? Who draws the line? Who says if it stays? Who says if it goes? The money is the, the honest developer. Answer. The developers. Well, yeah, they're the one who's making so it. So if there's if there's enough of you to keep them in business and they like it, then then they'll just carry on. So right? if I want to make if I want to make a joke at the expense of uh, a cheeky joke at the expense of women, because this has been a hot topic. Any, any group of people, sure. What is actually wrong with that at the end of the day? Because if we say no, you can't do that. It's sexist. It's, it's you know, whatever it may be, whatever Easternism you want to attach to it. Suddenly, are you saying we cannot make jokes about this group of people? We cannot lampoon this group of people. We can't lampoon that group of people. We can't exaggerate these people or that, pe- the, that person. When you get onto that sort of territory, 
you are st starting to move into George Orwell's 1984, where we must have conformity of this, that, and the other. It's a balance, right? So like on one hand, free speech is what protects us from big brother puppet state. Terrible, you know, the, 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 you lose all individuality. And on what's going on on Twitter right now? They're trying desperately hard to get rid of free speech. They're actually and advocating for censorship. Which, well, Twitter is a business. It doesn't have uh, any allusion no, no, I'm, to. I'm sorry, but it doesn't have any allusion to. Right, but to it, like as far as that goes, it doesn't right now have it. And that's the that's an old that's a really big awesome conversation because you have to say is is Twitter is Facebook is social media more of a public square that should be protected by free speech or is it now this uh, this business thing and it's an evolving process right because we are all voting with both our time and our attention, right? We're all three of us are on, on, on Twitter specifically, but as far as the public square, there is that oppression that people don't wanna, you know, like people to be able to speak their mind. But then you also have to ask the intent. Was the intent to make a joke or is the intent to offend so that you get clout? And that's really kind of where the question, like when I look at it and how that question kind of is applied is that like, am I saying something ridiculous? Am I going to go out to Twitter and say, a joke at the expense of gingers. I'll pick on myself. I say gingers are morons. Um, and I'm doing that so that ideally, I, you know, not because I think it's a funny joke or a funny statement, but because I think that people are going to get pissed about it. They're going to share it. They're going to retweet it. And then I, I grow in this concept of this internet clout for, like we talked about at the beginning, this small part of time and then i have to find something else to get that hit of dopamine to get that hit of like whether i'm back here masterminding it and whatever now i think you like there's an interesting um overall thought especially around comedy right because i i i've my bucket list is i want to go fail at stand-up i say it like that because i love i love to just go and if i suck at it fine but i'm anyway i'm working up the courage to finally go and do it but Beyond that, though, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, who the hell would want to be a comedian in today's society? Because they, you know, it's 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 dangerous. Like, you could sit here and like, I'm going to make a joke. When can we, when we can we rib on each other? And I think the ability for like you, me, or Chris to rib on each other is that we all know each, like we, we learn each other. We have a kind of a relationship. But if all of a sudden I start just like randomly, like, I'm just going to make fun of Ginger's all day long, every day, ruthlessly, people are going to start, you know, it sets a different kind of tone. There's a different group who maybe there's an, like an experience of being called soulless daywalkers where they're just like, they're hurt, they're frustrated, and then they're going to vent about it. it, it I but, think intent, and I mean, it's hard to judge intent. Go ahead, As. I was just going to say, but, you know, in all honesty, they are, though. Yeah, <laughs> we are daywalkers. <laughs> Censorship doesn't come from a bad place it, it a comes from the thought that well the majority of us all agree so it must be right so it comes from a a morality so, so a lot of this censorship comes from people call for censorship because they assume that the censorship that will be put in place won't affect them right no Hold i tied to standards because he's being ridiculous i'm fine and where they struggle is that well long term what if those values shift what if what if you create a censorship machine and then one day you're the person being censored? No, I think I think you've got it wrong here. I think it's the absolute minuscule minority that are screaming for censorship, but they have these platforms like Twitter, and Twitter is becoming so high. People, we're talking about video games here on this podcast, just to let you know, it's great stuff. <laughs> um, but it's just a minute fraction of people on Twitter that are getting their little um bubbles together and they're getting very vocal and they're doing all of this this attacking and 99.99 percent of the regular person is just like oh, what's going on here you know we don't care why was it why was it fine to laugh at things two years ago that you can't laugh at now five years ago that you can't laugh at now well i think it ties back to what you kind of said where gets picked up it get you know it, it gets it gets exaggerated and then and then you kind of get on that loop again and it's exhausting i, I mean, like just hands down it's exhausting i i like I, I one video i made it's like i can't remember what i'm supposed to be mad at like it's like i just can't like it's just everything wants you to be mad because anger is such a natural human thing and that's where you see a lot of that within uh, even YouTubers. And let's, we'll, we'll redirect it back into the kind of gaming specter of the CNET uh, piece. It's just, you see this this concept that they're saying, like they're advocating for. And I was like, I think that there's just, there's just like that market. If you think of it as a business in that regards, 
there's angry gamers out there. They're frustrated because of developers trying to literally, uh, you know, get into their pockets all the time. You got like, you know, freaking uh, Activision talking about it. it's not about making a fun game. It's about making money. You know, uh, you have that, those quotes like that that kind of ring out. You see the things that you love where like we had when we had Zeppelin talking about just how betrayed she feels with what they've done to World of Warcraft. But then at the same time. Uh, you know, you're just, you're hurt because you have this, this love, this connection, this community that is so tied up with it. Gaming uh, in and of itself is such, there, it's kind of an emotion engine. And I would say, I've, I've kind of called YouTube an emotion engine at the time. It's like, you can have the best argument, but what's going to win is the most emotional argument, the most reactive to that. And that kind of ties into that concept of clickbait and that concept of what's shocking to get people to come watch and then be mad about, right? Like be mad at me, uh, at me with this or be mad at me at the, because I, I have this view either way is good. Chris said, um, Chris said a little earlier about, you know, you, you go with the money, mm-hmm. you go with what makes you money. And, uh, he's, he's right. He's right with that. And you're looking at, you look at, for example, the Marvel cinematic universe, which has done insane amounts of cash insane yeah they are now moving they're now moving into the next phase so they're coming out of this 10-year period where they built up all these characters a lot of them have gone away and they're trying to set up the, the new bunch of characters which is going to because they put up that that horrible timeline which just made me want to vomit in my mouth because it just showed how soulless films and uh media is today this is the timeline in this date we're going to release this film and that date this film and then uh they're putting out the black widow film which mm-hmm. people have wanted for for years i love scarlett johansson yeah like you wouldn't believe <laughs> and and so i've wanted this film for a long time so you'd think we'll go with the money you know let's create a kick-ass spy film uh where she's awesome you know kicks ass saves the world saves the day so what do you get when they announce who's going to be directing it? Oh, well, um, I don't like weapons. I don't, I don't like violence. Um, I don't even read comics. Uh, I'm not aware of these people. And uh, I think this is a great platform for us to discuss social issues. And you're just like, are you as a, as a supporter happy when you hear that? If the movie's good, it doesn't matter though. Same concept with games. No, like, but that doesn't, your, doesn't... that's your cell. That's getting you. That's your bum in seat. That is your first reaction to it. No, you want you want somebody to come out and go. Ah, oh, man, I have been a fan of Black Widow for donkey's years. She got some great lore. She's got some great history behind her. Scarlett Johansson has been knocking it out of the park for the last decade. She is gonna kick ass. She's going to take names. You're going to love this film. It's a prequel, so you're going to see the red hair back, da-da-da, whatever it may be, and you're going to get hyped. No, you got you got a social progressive now, and you got this running through the whole sphere. They they. But if it makes no if, it, if it makes them money, though, it, are they wrong? Right? Because we can sit here and say like, oh, they're. Are you going to go to the film based on? Let's say that is your cell. Are you going to go to the cinema based off that cell? Not go to the cinema because you like Black Widow. I, the, the best Has thing that about put that question. On the, seat? the best thing about that question is, am I going to go to the movies? I've got a number, uh, baby number four, on the way. I don't know what a movie is anymore, guys. Like, if it's not on Netflix and it's not ten thirty at night, and I'm not trying to like hold on to some form of consciousness while having some like slight entertainment after being yelled at by a two-year-old all day like what uh, i don't know i (laughs) if uh if it gets me out of the house and i can have a babysitter i'll go sit at any seat (laughs) (laughs) um chris what you got any uh, any thoughts because i want to i want to talk about uh i want to talk more about world of warcraft final fantasy 14 and some uh warhammer no i mean i think at the end of the day businesses stay in business just they, they, they make money to stay in business. Businesses are in business to stay in business. Yeah, they don't that care. All they are. And we want them to care, but they don't have care. morality. The people that work there have morality, but the business itself does not have a sense of morals. The business itself does not have a sense of care. All it wants to do is continue being a business and living. And so when we talk about bad press, good press, there is somewhere there is a balance sheet and that doesn't matter if it's our favorite developer final fantasy 14 Shadowbringers still had a balance sheet it still had a production schedule it still had a delivery date um 
and what really matters is the end product. The end product is what we get to enjoy for hundreds, if not thousands of hours in gaming. And as long as the end product gets there, we as a community have shown that we will take just about any amount of abuse to devs. We will take just about any amount of, of miscommunication and mishandling of the marketing. We will take anything as long as the game is good. So let's talk about some good games because Shadowbringers is like literally one of the highest rated games, if not the highest rated games. Rare, I, I don't know. I, I say rare almost to the point of never heard of before. But um, Warhammer, uh, Warhammer, like that's one of the things that it, I discovered. You're talking about people that just want money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So what got oh. you into Warhammer as? And I want, I want, I want you guys to kind of touch on it because Chris obviously has, like, I guess a partial army. I'm not. I, I, I've always just watched from the sidelines, just like, oh, that looks like a fun game. What got you into it as? Well, um, just one day, one of my friends. Uh, created a group chat on whatsapp and just text a bunch of us and they're just like look guys let's get a hobby let's get a hobby together let's 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 do something together um which will get us you know socially active um you know getting us doing a, a little bit more together something that we can put some time in or whatever and he said um i'm throwing out the idea of uh, warhammer because i used to do warhammer when i was a kid and uh, I was kind of like, oh, I used to do a little bit of epic uh, Warhammer, a little tiny, tiny. Oh, one. I have some of those somewhere. Yeah, back in, yeah. Um, I don't know, when I was like eight, 17, something like that. And I hadn't touched it since then. So I thought, okay, let's, uh, yeah. So, okay, I'm, I'm up for it. So, so a few of us actually said, yeah, all right. So we just chose an army each. We just kind of like said, right, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? And thankfully, we're all like choosing different armies and uh that's literally how it got going it just got going through that and i've got stuff all over the place i've got this this boy i've just finished that's amazing you with your night oh he's just cutting up stuff you know so um yeah we just we literally got through it through doing that and i'm actually got to match this sunday with my friend some Warhammer guys, for anybody who isn't familiar with it, it's a miniature tabletop game. The original Warhammer game came out in like the 70s. It's been around a long time. It's gone through a lot of iterations. We played Warhammer 40,000 based on what you just showed us, which is set in the future. Came out a little later. Uh, think Starcraft versus Warcraft. Typical guy is, yes, about this tall. His knight is one of the bigger guys. Epic, the game he talked about, is played with a much, much... These are ones still on Sprue. They don't make these anymore, so I'm very careful about taking them on Sprue. So they're very, very small. Um, so epic is a much more wow, great. that's beautiful. You painted so, yourself and all that, yeah. All painted by one. I am also a chaos player, which is exciting. Uh, <laughs> I dabble across all of chaos. There's a whole bunch of armies. I, what I love about Warhammer is they all have their own lore. The only problem with Warhammer is the people who make Warhammer. Like, Games Workshop is 100% of the problem with the hobby. Other than that, it's perfect. I don't want to say anything I, in case, in case on my second one, well, my second channel is going to start firing back up soon. So I don't want to say anything because I might try and tap them up for some spots. <laughs> it's, All right, that's fine. So, so the, the individual employees and the people who've written the lore and the people who design the armies have such a passion for the game, it's wonderful. And I don't know where the disconnect is because when you hear them talk on like their Warhammer TV or their podcasts, like, like I want to hang out with those guys. So I like them. And then I like going to the store. Um, typically, there's two parts to the hobby. So there's the game, and then there's what's called the hobby, which is what he's showing there, the painting and the building. And it's, it's a very communal thing. Even if you're doing it in your own thing, like I'm, I'm painting here, my brother's painting out in West Texas, my other brother's painting down in Central Texas, and yet we have a text chat that's just like image after image after image of everything we're working on. That is fantastic. Um, do you play Sigmar too? No, well, this one, you can use this for 40K for Nurgle as well. Okay. Um, I'm glad so, you guys know. I'm just like, this is great. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful hobby. It's a great way to spend your time. It's incredibly expensive to get started. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, <laughs> so make sure you tip to the channel, folks. Make sure you get these boys some, some coin. If, if you're trying to start big, if you're not trying to start small, you should budget a comma in what you're, in what you're getting started the with. Starter, the starter editions are pretty good, though. The starter yeah. editions uh, that they're yeah, bringing out now, you get, you get a decent amount, um, probably gets you around about 
750 a thousand points or so maybe a little bit 100 bucks you got you got a third of what would be a tournament army and uh and you're in yeah it's it's a lot of fun i spend an immense amount of time over a huge number of years i come and go i started in i guess middle school somebody invited me to their house and they were all doing it and like i just walked in it was like it's like walking in on some kind of cult and i was like i don't know what's happening and they took me to a store and they said just buy the coolest model Mm. i just took like 20 dollars And I just bought, so I bought a Chaos Dreadnought, which is a terrible model to start from a gameplay standpoint. <laughs> you're not building towards anything. You don't have an HQ. You don't have troops. You don't have, you're, you have nothing. And I, and I bought that and I still have it around here somewhere. It's painted terribly. I have never stripped the paint. I have kept my original, you know, maybe 13 year old self's paint job on there. Uh, and getting back to it as an adult is a whole lot more fun because you have disposable income unless you have four kids. And uh, you just, I, I can what stay are you up talking about <laughs> funerals for fun. So <laughs> if, they come out with a, if they come out with a new box, that's a hundred dollars. That's an amount of money I can come up with. Uh, as opposed to when I was on my $5 every other week allowance, I was like, I'll never get there. Uh, so I, I love Warhammer. I just get frustrated sometimes with, um, choices that the developer makes. Are so, they, are they worse than wizards of the coast or? on par or better because i've heard that batshit so the coast i hear is is really hard on their employees but they put out a brilliant marketing strategy i don't know if you've ever if you listen to a lot of podcasts but there's a podcast on the history of wizards of the coast and like they're how they basically looked at baseball cards and said what's the math behind this like how much do we release versus not release to make it an engaging hobby to collect while focusing on good gameplay and like they literally said how do we make a game so fun we get rich in one conversation and and knocked it out of the park? And their investors were pissed because they said, no, this is a trend. Like they came, it came out, it got big around the same time as Beanie Babies and stuff. Yeah. This is a trend. You need to release, 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 release so that we can capitalize because at the end of this cycle, it's going to die. And mm. they pulled back and they said, no, this is going to last 10 to 20 years. And the investors laughed at them and they were like, no way. And it turns out if you dial it back enough and focus on the fun, you can have a steady paycheck from a passionate fan base forever and ever. What a concept. Magic, magic still crushes it. What, let's talk about something we all love, and that's uh, Shadowbringers. Um, it, uh, and it's not just us. Uh, obviously, it looks like the, the world uh, overall is in love with it. And that's really exciting, <laughs> especially as a longtime Final Fantasy uh, player, Final Fantasy fourteen player. Um, we're not going to talk spoilers. I, I would like to let, you know, just for anybody who is still, cause it, if anybody just said, wow, Shadowbringers is amazing. Let me go play it. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you got a lot of game to catch up. And I would hate for somebody to be like, I'm listening to the war, the game podcast. And all of a sudden it's like, can you believe ninjas raining <laughs> from the sky? And that, you know, like whatever that didn't happen. And <laughs> so anyway, for anybody who might be concerned, um, we won't be talking story spoilers, but as what, what was it about or what is it about Shadowbringers that is, is so different in this day and age, in this year, 2019, in contrast to obviously the other MMOs out there? Um, you know, you're obviously a WoW player uh, or have been, was a WoW player. And then um, and we'll talk about WoW Classic in a second. But go ahead. I I think where um, Shadowbringers has, has, to me, personally succeeded is uh, I think the greatest strength of Final Fantasy fourteen is its storytelling. Uh, and when it went from a realm reborn into heaven's ward it really set up heaven's ward massively with the the cliffhangers the uh reveals and all this kind of stuff so when we hit heaven's ward we had this unbelievable story that was being mapped out in front of us mm. when they left heaven's ward to uh stormblood i unfortunately think they went a bit too samey because they were, in essence, telling the same story again, but with different factions. You had the Almegans, the Ishgardians. You had the Galian Empire. You had the Dragons. So they were kind of retelling the same story, but not quite as well. Then about halfway through Stormblood, the story suddenly kicked back off again massively. And we started to get other stuff with because I'm trying not to give spoilers with with other aspects of the game with the Asians etc etc yeah and so once again uh when Stormblood when it left Stormblood it was setting up Shadowbringers um 
to 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 really knock it out and the story is just unreal i mean that story leveling up is crazy good and then they've coupled it with doing something very clever and they've just totally taken us off the source mm-hmm. so you you have this very fresh feel for this expansion because you've got a completely new world in the first mm-hmm. you've got a you know this story which is now dropping uh end threads you know these threads are getting tied and we're getting some conclusions starting to come together Answers. so we're getting pay yeah. off we're getting character um you know some severe character uh, progression development um your character is is so intrinsic to all of this you feel so woven into the narrative that um you feel important you you feel the the weight of these uh actions that you have to contend with and then because the environment and everything is completely new you do feel like a stranger in another land mm-hmm. uh whereas we've had the familiar of Eorzea through three expansions now even though we've opened up fresh areas and and so it's they've unbelievably managed to make third expansion make the game feel almost new again uh to have this this new feel and uh just been taken on a ride i've i've been blown away by how good shadowbringers has been so far so there's been a lot of uh talk about it chris i wanted to i want to let you jump in you would think that they're paying YouTubers to say all this positive stuff because there's just so much positive press. Not a red cent. Not a red cent. You would think that everybody here is just on some massive undisclosed payroll um, because there is just so much positivity around there. I I think it comes down to pacing. Um, When you compare it to, let's say, um, the issues that BFA is having at its core, I think 8.2 is trying to turn it around. But if you compare it to BFA, there's two very distinct things going on here. And one company is saying... The experience is what matters, and that is all. And that that sounds really logical. But the other side, WoW, is saying, how do we measure that? How do we objectively measure it? And they got themselves into a a very YouTube way of looking at things, that watch time is good. View- it's analytical. One's analytical, one is emotional. Yeah. Totally oh, my analytical. gosh. Wow. I don't, I don't know how to handle opinion. I don't know how to be like, because I, I risk somebody not being in my shoes, right? Being the 14 side, what if they were wrong? So A plus B equals Y equals wrong. fun. That's what WoW's doing, and it's not working. And Yoshi P is doing yes. uh, human emotion, oh, human engagement, human attachment, storytelling equals boom. He's a conductor of an orchestra. I mean, it's, 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 it's an art. And they're using art. an equation. Right. So WoW has gotten themselves in a point where my measuring number of active subscribers, number of players who engage with content, the amount of time they engage with content that encourages content that has a lot of replayability built into it to the point of like fault. Like you've got to do this loot grind system until your, you know, until your hands fall off. And that's what's been determined as measurable objective fun. And it and it has just over Draenor Legion and BFA has just slowly gotten to the point where it's unbearable. And then all of a sudden we're all quitting at once. And they're like, well, I don't understand. Like all of the metrics were at all time highs and Shadowbringers didn't do that. They said, you know what? I have a story to tell. I'm really passionate about it. I hope you like it. Obviously, obviously every time they say this, they get overwhelmed and we end up with massive server queues. So they obviously don't think the amount of us will like it that do. <laughs> like they clearly think like, okay, a few people are going to like my yeah. story. Oh, everybody liked it. Uh, <laughs> I see that. I see that actually happen in business a lot. That's one of the things I've always kind of warned about. It's like one of the really cool things about society today. When you talk about big data, I work as a software engineer. I like I deal with data all the time. And I see that sometimes like you have more information than you've ever had that you could like the people like, 10 years ago, 100 years ago, would would have murdered somebody just to have this information because it allows you to make effective decisions if you're actually interpreting the data correctly. You can have all the data points in the world and you can still come to the wrong conclusions. And Mm -hmm. I see it happen in business all the time. It takes effective leadership. 
Uh, this is a leadership problem that I see that's going on over at Activision Blizzard. It's a leadership problem that's been there for a long time. And as human beings who are mortal go and retire, uh, and you see more of the kind of what I would say the Activision. I, I'm very angry at Activision. Just like uh, can I can I use a, a Star Trek analogy? Please, I'll, I love Star Trek. My mom got me a Star <laughs> Wars toaster. I love you, mom. Um, but I'm a I'm, I'm I like Trek. yeah, tracking. There is an episode of the Next Generation. There's like two thousand people in chat now going oh. There's an episode of the Next Generation where Data, the android, dates a woman. She's just come out of a relationship where her partner was very cold and detached. <laughs> and she gets into a relationship with Data, who's, of course, not got any emotions. He's an android. So Data, he, he uh, does all these um, programs and algorithms uh, to make him act like a boyfriend, act as if he's attentive. Uh, hi, honey, how is your day on shift and all this kind of stuff? Why don't you just sit on down there and kick off your shoes and all that kind of uh, stuff? And it was fake and it was false and you can't connect with it. And that is wow. It's fake. It, it, it's, it's a simulation of what they think should be fun. Whereas she ends up dumping data because she needs a real human with real emotions that can get angry from time to time, that uh, doesn't do everything for her all the time, that can be nice every, that can, but she needs that human touch. Does and I think that's fear? where Final Fantasy's winning people. Does, does it come from fear? Does, it, does WoW do it because they now have something to lose when they're the biggest, they're afraid to risk it all on telling something real? And I think it's, I just think it's, personally, it's 15 years old. And, and I think they're just going with the flow. You know, this is what's worked for us. We know we're going to get X amount of people, probably. We can work out, because we have subscribers, how many subscribers we've got now, how long they're subscribed for, how much six-monthers we've got here, two, you know, three-monthers, one-monthers. Let's do a six-month promotion, try and lock people in. We know we've got those down. And I think they're thinking about it in such this quantifiable, calculating uh, way. Like, you put Ian Hazakostas on stage next to Yoshi P, right? you got Ian Hazakostas just doesn't look as if he has any interest in WoW. He just comes across Very as right. bored and dull. And when he's trying to sell the product, it's just like, and coming up in 8.2, there's no life. There's no soul behind the eyes. There's no passion whatsoever. But you got Yoshi P, and Yoshi P will quite happily turn around to his audience and say, hey, Yoshi, uh, we want male bunnies in, in 5.1. And Yoshi just go, no. <laughs> no. We're not, we're not doing it. We've got other stuff. No. And he'll quite happily say that, but you'll be like, all right, fair enough. But when he talks about what they're doing, you can see that there has been so much attention put in and care and thought. And, you you know, there are things which I find out even now, because I've still got so much to learn about the game, but so much that I learned that, that these threads suddenly link back to something that happened in A Realm Reborn. And you're just like, oh, my God, the thought process behind these things is is insane. I can absolutely. I can I kind of speak to the kind of the, the passion, right? Because it's like it's so true when you talk about kind of an older property, the uh, like, are you interested in it? When I've worked on projects that go two or three years, it's like at the like at like that kind of that year three, like if you're not excited and passionate about it. It's, it's very difficult to show up for work. It's very difficult to do that grind. And one of the things that's really just adamantly true about the game developers, and Phil Spencer said this, he's like, I can go, yeah, I could go tell like a game company, a studio to go make X game, and it's going to end up being a crap game if they're not excited about making that game. You're, you're talking about things and investments of time and people's attention that have to span 
years and years. Like the fact is, is that all of Shadowbringers has been mapped out. They did that uh, August twenty, you know, twenty seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Six point is going to be mapped out. Obviously, like with the with the agile development and, and that kind of planning, like some of it's like okay, and we would like to have this here, and that becomes more solid as time goes on. But they should have all of their their plans for six usually completed around August this year, sometime this yeah. month, they're going to know what's going to happen. You know, uh, and that's kind of the beauty of what UCP and the leadership has done. It, you can't manufacture passion. I can't go give you a pill. I can't give you a shot. I can't, you know, uh, like I can't make you passionate about something that you're not. And so it's, it's going to be an, inter- it's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens by the time we're talking 2025, because by the time like 14 is going to be 15 years old uh, here in about like four years, like it's relaunched as ARR, you know, and it's six years old this year. But overall, when you talk 1.0 to whatever, like you're talking about, like these are 15 year and more properties. Final Fantasy 11 is an example. WoW is an example. These games, as long as people are willing to play and the developers are willing to invest, like they'll live on forever and ever and ever. And ultimately what's going to be interesting to see is that, is there a way that if they're interested in, can classic be what restores it? Can they go back a different path? Can they, uh, is it a sequel? Is it wow two? Is it final fantasy 14 two or, or 17 or something that like when tech, when technologies change so much because it's changed so much in 10 years, let alone 15, is there a time in which that we say, and now it's time to start again because it hasn't worked so far. Well, WoW 2 should have been in development years ago. I thought Titan which, was, I thought Overwatch was that plan. But. Well, no, that was going to be their next MMORPG, mm-hmm. but it wasn't going to be World of Warcraft. It was going to be an, a, a, departure. a different, yeah, a departure from WoW, but it was going to be an MMORPG. Something different but, enough, though, because like, I always kind of thought it has to be different. Yeah. But you notice how. Um, even though 1.0 came out in 2010, uh, they didn't, you know, let 11 just just rot and die. Right. You know, they they still said, right, we need to make the next Final Fantasy online game now, and I can I can almost see that happening here as well. Like I I, I wouldn't be surprised in let's say 2022 for argument's sake. If if they suddenly said, "Oh, wow, uh, Final Fantasy Seventeen is going to be online. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Final Fantasy Seven Seventeen online, and it will be the next generation of, um, you know, Final Fantasy online adventure." Um, but with World of Warcraft, WoW Two should have been in development two thousand ten, two thousand and twelve. You know, it roughly around in those years, and and then this World of Warcraft probably should have come to an end uh, around about. 2015 uh 2015 2016 maybe 17 but around about let's say the 17 mark where it's turned about 12-ish years old something like that and then you've got this you know this next generation with you know the way that pc development has happened and all these Mm -hmm. other because they seem to be very uh limited by the kind of technology that they do have they can make things prettier and all that kind of stuff yeah but when it comes to things like capacity and and, and and density and all this kind of stuff, they have massive problems. They, you can't get more than a few people yeah. together in WoW before. A restart, though, also gives them the ability to set the base level at a, 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 something that's like, okay, here's our minimum spec requirement. Here's like what it is. And that that such is so impactful. People like to always say PS3 limitations, but when you go look at the PC specs, it was far worse than any PS3 out there. It's like core <laughs> two duo. It was just like it was just that there were very like and so when and it's really awesome to see with 14 specifically that they're willing to let things go where in like 11's case like it's like yeah like I think up I think they might just have said no more PS2 in Japan, but even I think it's, I'm not very versed on (laughs) if it works in Japan, it doesn't work here to be able to kind of continue that upgrade. uh, You know, it's like, there is that, um, there is always kind of that nice restarting point because one of the problems that we see uh, new people coming into 14 having is that, okay, you've got 300 hours of game before you get to Shadowbringers and it's so good and you want to play that 300 hours but I hope that you have the time to do so or you have to pay to jump. And we've kind of long thought that New Game Plus is going to be a really assistance tool to allow them to bundle in jump potions. Uh, so mm. that like with 6.0 and 7.0 and 8.0, like how, you know, like <laughs> you've 
best get started now if you want to have any opportunity to play what comes next with this with this game that's because they're so protective on the story the story is mm -hmm. so in depth yeah and the story the story is so well developed right. you wouldn't come into like you know breaking bad season five and say ah oh, whatever the rest of it <laughs> yeah i mean um i think they do have it now that you just have to do the main story quest and that will actually take you through the levels so you, you don't have to you know be still concerned about side questing and uh, yeah it, it's still too it, long it is, but and i watched shadowbringer so I skipped, almost, I skipped the majority of stormblood mm. I skipped a big portion of heavensward and i skipped all of arr um i've been i was playing through that time but just for gameplay not for story and shadowbringers um yoshi peep came out with an interview that said shadowbringers will be good enough that if you have been skipping it this whole time you should still jump in and it will not be so tied to past things that you'll feel lost you will not have that breaking bad season five moment mm -hmm. and with the exception of kind of one moment in the story i agree with him so far i have been 100 percent. i everything has been explained everything has been a previously on um i feel I feel I've gotten to enjoy Shadowbringers and that there, I didn't have, I mean, I have some questions about depth, but that means that you could start to include a jump potion to Shadowbringers and give people a good experience. The problem is right now, if you jump, there's no way to go back. So with New Game Plus, you're saying, hey, we'll give yeah, you yeah, yeah. And then if you have questions, you can always go back and play it at your own pace. Um, so I, I think the jump really frees them up to finally say, you know what, let's just close the chapter on ARR. It's optional content. It will always exist. If you want to go do it, go do it. We'll have old events. We'll have Yokai Watch or whatever pop up. You can go back into those zones and have a blast. But uh, for the most part, let's kind of just call that a, a prequel to today. And that just needs to be retired content. Well, that's the strength of what them going to the first. Go ahead, Az. No, I was just going to say, uh, this will never happen, by the way, but it's just a nice thought. What if they released a, a film? Oh, gosh. They're bringing a TV if, show together. What, yeah, yeah. But what if they released an animated film that, uh, let's say, for the next expansion, like you said, it's pretty much, is pretty much going to have it nailed down within the next month or so mm -hmm. as to where they're going to go with uh, 6.0. Uh, wouldn't it be incredible if they had uh, an animated film, 90 minutes long, you know, that just kind of went through the story up until the end of five point whatever it is whatever it's going to be i five think that would be five. a real string i think that's something that i, I hope so they're having that conversation probably, somebody's probably started it as a fan thing um somebody told me that that uh it was that who was that that was those scott saying that somebody tried a fan thing of creating an add-on that would do voiceover work for all of the quests for oh that'd be amazing and then they never finished it because it was just too much work so there is somebody out there could make a movie an animated movie i mean there's a guy that has what final fantasy uh, was it 1.0 or 11 that's running in unity or something mm -hmm. so like people can do amazing things mm. um it's just a question of like will square take it on how long yeah, yeah. i mean to me it's just a complete pie in the sky but it's a beautiful idea to oh, have it'd be, it'd be I, I, i'll happily <laughs> i'll happily spend square enix's money yes i agree yeah, make, make yeah. it square make it spend the money i will buy it um, with that, guys, like that is uh, the show. There's a lot. We'll have to have you back on as at some point. I'd love to give it to you back because there's just a lot we didn't get to really tap into classic. We didn't talk about WoW as much as I was thinking we would. Uh, Activision Blizzard. Classic less than three weeks. Yeah, I know. It's three weeks away, and it's so it's an yeah. interesting concept. But uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, as do you have any final thoughts? Where can people find you? What do you what do you have that you're working on that you that you want people to know about? I'm, I'm just doing my do on YouTube, heel versus babyface. Uh, it's a wrestling reference before anyone asks what that means. Uh, Twitter at heel versus babyface. Uh, and I'm just there. Uh, I'm doing MMORPGs and I'm doing gaming news. And I'm a Yorkshireman, so I don't have a filter. <laughs> Chris, where, what are you working on? Where can people find us? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on a little Warhammer off, off time right here. And I've been, I've been finishing up some classes in 14 and I'm getting ready for wow classic. So I finished up the last of my live stuff, farmed up as many tokens as I'm going to farm up. I'm ready to let my live account just, it, it's, it's active because it's getting me onto classic. Uh, and that's about it. I'm, I'm just focused on MMOs and waiting for Brian to tell me if Destiny's worth picking up. <laughs> yeah. honestly it's kind of it's i'm enjoying destiny i'm enjoying uh you know final fantasy 14 i feel like uh, i'm a kid in the candy store and i wish i had more time because then we had uh uh Dragon quiz builders 2 the fire emblem uh, yeah, I on Switch, and i'm like gosh like i 
uh, I'll get to it. It's like, you know, I feel like a country song can place in my head. Like, I'm going to get there someday. <laughs> it's like where I could just like, kick back and play these. Guys, uh, join us uh, next week where we have Datto from Datto Does Destiny coming on. We're going to be talking some more Destiny as we uh, as we gear up uh, for uh, Shadowkeep. It's the year of shadows, Shadowbringers, Shadowkeep. Uh, Destiny was recently delayed, so we'll talk to Datto about that. Uh, and they have cross save coming, so it, there's just I think there's a lot to be excited about, despite the fact that as we open the show with all the drama, with all the issues that that kind of plague within social media and everything like that, uh, it can easily swallow you whole. But at the end of the day, like games are, especially the good ones, like they're fun. They bring people together. They create and uh, opportunities for interesting conversations uh guys be sure to follow us here on youtube uh over we have links in the description below for twitch twitter uh and mixer uh so we're actually this is the first podcast we're tossing up over on mixer as well and we actually have quite an audience over there hello everybody on mixer i'm new i don't know what we call ourselves uh you know like i guess streamers i guess is, a, is an appropriate term i keep saying mixers um don't hate me. <laughs> Sounds uh, alcoholic. Yeah, <laughs> mixers. Absolutely, it's a nice ice cream social afternoon. Uh, the uh, so uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the podcast. Thanks everybody for hanging out. Uh, if Az wants to hang out for a little, just Q and A with chat, we're we're game to do for, uh, that for a little bit. But either way, uh, thanks for tuning in for work to game. My name's Brian. My name's Chris. Uh, my name's Audrey. <laughs> thanks so much for watching hope you have a phenomenal day and we'll talk to you soon take care whoa you guys are the best jorge kyle philip 31 edwards rock druid Corey longwood aaron axis hambone lady wild to plays cn abs this is going to best christopher phil shun dragons soul keen Knights, Assassin, Carlos, Sherry, Robert, Leyland, Davon, Tim, Jojo World, Terrace, Soro, Scrub Lord, Trevor, Mill, Little Almond, 70s, Kimber, Tyler, oh my god, I'm so sorry, Cody, Legend, Armin, Carlos, Atlas, Jonathan, Jade, Sai, Derek, Brandon, Aaron, Riku, Daryl, Chemistrol, Lauren, The Wolf, The Gar, Kelly, Anthony, Solid, John, Huskree, oh my god, uh, everybody, Dark Later, Christopher, uh, Vestman, Sean, Nopi, Brian, Tom, Dylan, Silent, whew, <sighs> I missed your names. I'm sorry. I love you all. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was tough.